This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two sturdy chaps who don't like the way you're looking at me. I'm joined by Brian Murray. Hello, hello. <laughs> and our guest for this episode, Gabe Chang. What's all this then, governor? Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess before we get things started, I want to remind everybody that we have a hangout on March 20th at 8 p.m. on our Discord. If you're not already there, make sure you join at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. You can come hang out. We do like a talk show style interview show where I bring people on the audio and we talk about what books you're reading, life and um, the universe and everything. So make sure to do that. The other thing I want to talk about is our special guest here, Gabe. Thank you so much for coming back to I Read Comic Books. We're really excited to talk to you. You've got a new Kickstarter coming out. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's called Into the Wilderness. It is a spinoff of my other comic, uh, which is a limited series called For Molly, but it's a standalone. It's a one shot. So it's uh, you don't need to read For Molly in order to understand what's going on in Into the Wilderness. But Into the Wilderness is about um, hold on. Let me actually bring up the actual log line here. I don't quite have it memorized. <laughs> After a deadly explosion rocks the New Jersey forest, a talking dog named Caprica and her stoic human partner Schneider go on the hunt for a killer. And it's equal parts hard-boiled detective mystery and classic Western set among a um, modern fantasy backdrop in the abandoned things in the New Jersey forest where, where talking dogs and off-the-grid humans live together in kind of a precarious peace coexistence kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it is coming to Kickstarter on uh, Wednesday, March 17. Yeah. And if you're listening to this on our public feed, that is today this episode comes out. If you're listening to it on our Patreon feed, it'll be out on Wednesday. I think you can get notified for when those things come out. So maybe I'll post a link to that in the show notes. But yeah, this this is really exciting. I read, uh, I think you've sent me over the first two issues of Four Molly. Yes. It's a really, really cool series. And I've, you know, you sent over a preview for this Into the Wilderness, which looks beautiful. This is uh, the artist that you worked with on this book is the same one that you worked with on Love Bites, right? Yeah. Love at First Bite. Or excuse me. Yeah. That's sorry. Okay. Love at First Bite. My apologies. Yeah. that And that, that was a super fun little action-packed book that I, I really enjoyed as well. So this is really cool. So what, what made you, you know, create this little spin-off book? Is this going to be just like a one-shot or a mini-series or something? Yeah, this is a one-shot. Um, I am working on a collection of uh, short stories, creating my own short story anthology. So this is number two. The first one was Love at First Bite. Yeah, I, I'm just really excited to to kind of expand the world of For Molly that I created, but not in a way where I'm trying to create my own little um, universe in there. But I I really love these two characters that were part of For Molly. But as it turns out, as I was writing the story and I was coming up with their backstories and I was thinking about what their kind of unique relationship was like, they weren't in For Molly very much. So I mm-hmm. was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's that kind of stinks. Um, so I ended up deciding to to create this this short story to uh, be an addendum to For Molly. Again, it's not a prequel or a sequel or um, or really uh, you don't really need to. Uh, it's a standalone, as I said before. So um, mm-hmm. just as a way to kind of explore these characters and expand the universe a little bit. But also, as as I'll get into with kind of the topics that we're going to be um, talking about on the show, kind of pay homage to some of the things that I, I really love in comics itself. Definitely. Well, I mean, this looks really exciting. I, I hope the, you know, fingers crossed Kickstarter is going to go well. But yeah, this this looks like a beautiful little book. I mean, I love Elisa's, uh, Elisa, Elisa? Elisa. Elisa's art. Uh, I, it's, it's very, like, I don't want to say cartoonish, but it's it's very, like, 
it's very action and and it, I love the bold lines, like very bold colors and everything that's done throughout this book, which is is a little bit different than Formali, you know, just just in terms of like the style of things. But I don't think that that makes it like worse by any means. It actually, I think, adds a lot more diversity to the to the universe. Um, so I'm really excited to for everyone else to check this out as well. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, Elisa is incredible. I love working with her. She's not only is her art style incredible, but her work ethic is just uh, in, like beyond reproach. And and yeah, it was really fun because For Molly is such a different art style, um, with created by such a different artist whose name is Benjamin Sawyer. Um, it was mm-hmm. it was fun to see it kind of or see my story kind of interpreted through another person's an, another artist's kind of style, which I I really really loved about doing this. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted to do it with Elisa because she is so talented because her her style is so cool, it's so fluid, but but um about great expressions and awesome action. And it, it is kind of like, yeah, you know, cartoony is, is, is kind of the closest word for it. it it's very like this, this would slot well into an animated show, like almost anyone that you would see. <laughs> Definitely. Like as far as it looks like it's ripped out of the pages or, you know, kind of, um, I've been watching the Harley Quinn show uh, this week. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like yeah. that DC animated style, but a little bit more, a little bit more fluid and, and European. She's, uh, she's Italian. She lives in Florence. So it's a little bit more mm-hmm. European in that, in that sense. But I, I was just super excited to, to see her interpret that environment, interpret that story in a completely different art style from Ben's, even though Ben is great. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to have a link to the to the Kickstarter in the show notes here, so make sure everybody go and check that out. You know, go make sure to go back it. It's a really fun story from from what I've read. So, yeah. Anyways, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comic books. I've got a, two questions that I'm legally mandated to ask on this show, which is, how have you been? How have comic books been? I guess I'm just going to throw it right back to you, Gabe. How have you been? What kind of comics have you been reading? Uh, I've been good. Uh, you know, uh, pandemic good. So right. <laughs> that's uh, a good way to. I like that. Yeah. 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 Um. I have actually not been reading a ton of comics. Um, I have been trying to catch up on some of the things that I've have been wanting to read, but um, because I read digitally, mm-hmm. I was having a hard time going from the day job where I was staring at my computer screen to then kind of winding down and relaxing and then staring at my uh, Kindle screen. Um, <laughs> so trying to cut down on my screen time, I've actually been, been reading some more, uh, paper books. So I, I, I just started reading a, a Stephen King book. Um, that's part of the dark tower series, the wind in the keyhole. Nice. Yeah. And I, I'm a dark tower reader from, from way back. So long days and pleasant nights to everybody out there in Midworld. Um, <laughs> so I've been, I've been kind of taking a break from comics just because of screen time. But other than that, I've got the, the one that I want to talk about. In a second, and also my comic book club, we talked about uh, uh, The Eternals by Neil Gaiman, which is what we just recently read, which was pretty good. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, well, what's the book that you've been that you've been reading recently? The book I've been re- I, I just finished reading was the the trade collection of um, of Harley and Ivy, because like I said, I've been watching the Harley Quinn show and I, I kind of wanted to do a deep dive into into that character a little bit. So I, I'm starting there and I've yeah. bookmarked the Harley Quinn Paul Dini book, um, the one with the, the famous cover of of uh, the Joker and her and he's wearing a tuxedo. Oh man, I, I feel terrible. I'm, Escaping me. I, I'm so not a Batman Batman nerd enough gotcha. to know about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I wanted to do a deep dive on that character and some of her her new stuff, and uh, and so that's that's what I I read recently, and I I liked it. I have I have some issues with it, um, which I can I can bring up now. Are we are we? Yeah, no, go for okay, it. Okay, cool. For it. Yeah, we'll talk we about were... your book, and then okay. Yeah, no, no, go for it. Yeah, so it was written by Paul Dini, and and the art was done by Bruce Tim. Uh, the two 
two of the guys behind the um the Batman the animated series show which I was a huge fan of growing up it was really my entry point uh for Batman really before I was reading comics I was watching this show so I binged the the Harley Quinn season 1 show I I loved the the new take on the character and kind of reframing of the DC universe where everybody's kind of an extreme version of themselves kind of in the way that Harley is an extreme version of of it kind of already was in that world. But like, I love that commissioner Gordon is like barely holding on and on the end of his rope, like just, and, um, <laughs> and Clayface, who is an actor is, is just totally over the top and can't help, but ham it up and like gets caught in, uh, mm-hmm. uh, in, in like, uh, in all these, what seems like, um, Ro- who framed Roger Abbott type situations to me. But yeah, I, I really liked the take on the characters, but Harley and Ivy's relationship, in my opinion on that show is really the best part. And I wanted to, uh, like I said, kind of do a deep dive on the on the origins of that. And um, yeah. I remember the the Harley and Ivy episode of the animated show where they kind of go on a road trip or they go on a crime spree together, which I really, really loved. Um, but the book I, I really liked because it's kind of the characters in their purest forms before they got on this show. And and the story was was very cute. It felt like one of the more lighthearted episodes of the show. They're really dark episodes of the show. And then they're really lighthearted ones. And I just love the art style. I, I love the way that Deanie does characters and expressions. Mm-hmm. I know that Elisa kind of takes a, my artist takes a lot of um, cues from that, and which is why one of the reasons why I love working with her. Mm-hmm. And so the action layouts were were very cool and very but very simple but very effective. And honestly, these are the the types of things that I'm trying to capture in my own work specifically in into the wilderness because i was such a huge fan of of the animated series into the wilderness is kind of in a lot of ways my homage to batman the animated series so i was trying to capture that sort of okay. narrative heft and the stylistic tones and the narrative tones that were really part of that that show so the the two main characters schneider and caprica in my comic into the wilderness it it is kind of a, like i said a unique relationship between the two because um, you see a human and a dog and you think that, you know, the human is because they are older is going to be the the more experienced of the two characters or the uh, the more mm-hmm. quote unquote veteran. But I, I flip that where the the dog Caprica, who is an older dog, she's the one that's kind of showing him the ropes of of living and living out in the New Jersey forest and uh, and being an advocate, which is kind of the peacekeeper a core group of people that keep peace between the humans and the dogs. So that kind of unexpected uh, might, might be a little bit of a strong word, but unusual kind of mentor and student relationship between a dog and a human mm-hmm. was something that I wanted to explore and that I, I based on bringing it back to uh, to what I was talking about, <laughs> kind of base it on the Alfred and Bruce relationship in Batman the animated uh, okay. series. Okay. So, um Very cool. yeah, so I've been challenging myself to write that way, so I I found that this was like a fun uh connection. I, I, even though I just did this in the last week, I just reread it in the last week. It was it was a fun reconnection in a different way to the Batman the animated show. I would say that my one big problem with this book to the point where I might not recommend it to people, the Harley and Ivy book is that there is mm-hmm. like a lot of gratuitous kind of not quite nudity because you don't see like anything in particular, but it's not like R rated, but it is kind Mm -hmm. of like a a little bit gratuitous sexuality. And it, 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 there's a couple like unnecessary shower seams that were like, okay, like this character doesn't (laughs) need to be like undressing and taking a shower at this point. Like this could have gone without it. It seemed very like male gaze to me. Like, 
like yeah, oh yeah. like uh what's let's let's make a sexy book and I, it, it it didn't have any purpose in the story so i was like this this is a little bit over the top and it happened more than once too which is why i'm saying like i might i, I hesitate to, to kind of recommend it to people especially if it's like a younger reader or or somebody that's that's getting into comics because i hate for somebody to, to read this as their first book and be like is this is this like every book is just gonna have unnecessary shower scenes in it like <laughs> right or or they're gonna be like does every book have yeah, unnecessary exactly. shower it's scenes in it going the other direction <laughs> and then they'll be so disappointed when they read my book <laughs> so the the caprica shower scene that's not coming down the pipe no no oh, yeah <laughs> Oh my God. I'll, I'll temper my expectations. Well, every, yeah. everybody knows what it's like to try to get a dog into the bath. So <laughs> right. uh, that's, true, that's true. its own uh, uh, spinoff of this spinoff and its own trying to get Caprica to, to bathe. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, Brian, how about you? How have comic books been? Uh, what have you been reading? And, and how are you? I guess I should also ask that. Yeah, uh, I've been good. Uh, Kate and I have been painting my bedroom the past week or so. So I've actually been sleeping in the basement which is a real return to form for me. <laughs> uh, Comics-wise, I've actually done a lot of reading uh, in the past couple of weeks. Um, I finally buckled down and read all of the uh, the Star Wars trades available on Hoopla. Uh, so I, I read volumes 3 through 10 because I stopped after volume 2 originally. Wow. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a lot that I like about this series. It, it, it's, it's one of those things where I think that as a star Wars fan, I am, I am so conditioned to like these things that I don't really have a, have an issue with it, but I don't know. The, the, the thing that really got me was there's this sort of like uh spec ops stormtrooper squad called scar squad. And I'm just, whenever you have like a, a uniform soldier type, but then you get like, special versions of that armor mm-hmm. Th- there's something about that that like ticks my dopamine centers um because <laughs> these guys like one of them has a lightsaber oh one man. of them is just big i think <laughs> he's he's big and shoots rockets okay nice i don't know because we don't really get a whole lot of time with them but i love them uh they make me think a lot of the the uh the bad batch clone wars spinoff that's mm-hmm. coming in may mm-hmm uh, which I'm very excited for. I completely agree with like the the variant on things. Like whenever there's a slight change in 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 something that you're so used to seeing in the status quo of a character design or something like that, where you're like, oh, cool, like that that's that is very exciting. Yeah, like one of them has like a blowing a glowing blue visor. It's don't don't know what it does, but <laughs> it's rad. It's very cool, and I want the toy of it. Yeah. Oh God, you can sell so many action figures off these clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking oh. of clowns, uh, I also read uh, Harleen, the uh, Stefan Sajic. Oh, nice. Uh, Harley Quinn yeah. book. I mean, gorgeous, first of all, mm-hmm. obviously. The the man's work is simply outstanding. I thought it was good. There's a certain degree to which I'd rather shut my hand in a car door than read another Joker story. <laughs> and as, as much as this book was about Harley Quinn, uh, it's... It's impossible to tell the Harley Quinn origin story without spending a lot of time on the Joker. Right. And I think he sucks and I'm sick of hearing about him. <laughs> I had a similar we we read that book a couple months ago in my comic book club. I had a similar reaction. Um, I came into the comic book club and I was like, what do we all think of sexy Joker, guys? <laughs> <laughs> and with any Harley origin story, it's hard 
to not really have to make the leap where it's like, like it, it is in a lot of ways, if it's not done really well, it's hard to to get the the reader to go along with you on like, okay, she fell in love with a psychopath. It, it didn't quite hit it for me in the Harleen book as well. Um, so I, I agree with you that like the Joker part of it was, it, it, it wasn't anything that we've necessarily hadn't seen before, which is one of the reasons why I kind of bumped up against it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think that the, the logical leap from being, you know, mild-mannered, uh, albeit troubled, psychologist to being a you know a criminal mastermind psychopath i don't know if that i don't know if that was the best version of that story for me yeah i think that if we had gotten something where everybody around her was always telling her like the joker is this like vicious psychopath but then all of her interactions with him were in 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 a way innocent or or something like that we could really get into the weird gaslighty nature of their relationship yeah, where like mm-hmm. she begins to think maybe he's not this monster instead of what she comes around to is he's a monster and he's hot yeah i guess <laughs> and also there's a the, not to spoil it but there's a whole kind of two-face element to the story where harvey dent is in it and i uh that part was just like that part seemed very rushed to me and i was like oh we're really we're shoehorning two-face into this like that's interesting yeah it, it was not my favorite part of it where it, it seemed like okay we need again i don't want to spoil it but like we need this x y or z element in here let's let's use two-face and and like we can make him kind of a a sped up version of that story yeah, it, it's like there was like a, a a quota of Batman elements they had to meet. Yeah, <laughs> and so you have to occasionally like we got to get Batman in there. It's been twenty five pages since we last <laughs> saw Batman. And drop name drop Ed, Edward Nigma yeah. while you're at it. Don't talk about the Riddler. Just the, the fans will know. Yeah, interesting. So should I read this Harleen book? Is that what you're saying? Because I've always, I've been on the on the edge about it because I've been reading the Harley Quinn Black, White, and Red. I didn't know this was going to be the Harley Quinn episode, but <laughs> it, it turns out it is. I've been reading Harley Quinn Black, White, and Red, and I've loved ev- almost every single issue of it. So like, Gabe, if you're looking for more very close stories to the Harley Quinn TV show, like highly recommend that right, series. I will it's like put digital that on run. my hoopla for sure. That sounds good. It's amazing. Um, But yeah, should I read this Harleen book, Brian? So I, I think that it, it's worth the read. If okay. nothing else, again, just to marvel at the artwork. Right, right. Just, just, just. I guess it's it is not quite the the fresh new take on the Harleen Quinzel backstory that I wanted it to be. Gotcha. I a hundred percent agree. I think it is. It's a cool story. It's a a modern story. I would say it's not the the kind of abridged version that we got in in some other ones where it just goes from like panels of her talking to like I mean like Suicide Squad the movie essentially where it's like pan, mm-hmm. like a scene of her talking to the Joker and then she's getting or then she's jumping into the chemicals right mm-hmm. the the art is really really cool um, I did marvel at a couple of like wow he really got sixteen panels on one page or something like that where it's like he really <laughs> like there's really a lot of cool art but it, it wasn't like. It wasn't quite as like uh, the fresh new take that um, Brian, you said it better than I'm saying it now. But anyway, I, I agree with <laughs> what Brian said. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Like, this will probably end up on my in my cart at some point on Comixology. So that's good to know. Um, well, as for me, I've been doing OK. I am currently in the process of trying to figure out how I'm going to move in a couple of weeks um, because I'm moving to New Jersey. So 
Gabe, I'm going to watch out Garden for Forest. We'll not be talking to dogs. <laughs> not going to be talking to dogs in New Jersey. But yeah, so uh, I've been trying to mentally like Tetris out everything that I have in my tiny little apartment to figure out how it's going to move there. But um, other than that, I, I've been reading a couple of books, um, mostly just Hikaru no Go. I've been catching up on that because we're reading that on, on the Discord. But I did read a couple single issues. Um, X Factor number eight. This is by Leah Williams with pencils and inks by David Baldion. Colors by Israel Silva. Letters by Joe Carmagana. Uh, Carmagna, Carmagna. I can never say his name right. The TLDR of this issue is Boneyard's Haunted. Place called Boneyard. <laughs> Probably going to be haunted, but turns out it is haunted. And I don't know what it is about X Factor, but it grows on me every single month that it comes out. Like every other issue seems to be like two steps forward, one step back, but we're still going forward. So it's it's really weird because some of the issues are really clunky. Like I think issue number seven, I really was not pleased by, but then issue number eight, I love to death. I don't know what is happening with Leah Williams's writing, but every time I read one of her books, I feel like I love it more and more. So I'm all on board for this book. Obviously, it's an X-Men book, and that's like my jam, but I really, really liked what happened in issue eight, and I can't talk about it at all because it's a huge spoiler for everything. But X-Factor is slowly becoming like a one of the top tier X-Men books that are coming out right now up there with um, uh, Hellions at number one, with New Mutants at number two. So... Um, yeah, maybe X Factors that's sitting at number three for me. Uh, I can't really can't really be certain. But yeah, I've been I've been loving what's happening with this with this series, um, especially the latest issue. So uh, I really like that that Leah Williams is pulling in like she's got more eyeball, more eye boy, more docking growth, more Polaris being fed up with bullshit, more development with Siren's quote unquote thing. And I don't want to spoil it. Small pieces of Rachel's story. You know, Ron is er, uh, Wolfsbane is getting this whole side story as well more prodigy stuff. All the characters in this book, we're seeing immense growth. Somehow she managed to pack in a ton of growth for all the characters in this latest issue. And I, I just love it. Love it to death. The other book I do want to talk about really quick is Chaos Agent number one. This is by a friend of the show, Dennis Camp. Um, pencils and inks by Filia Bratuki. Colors by Jason Wordy. Uh, letters by Hassan Otsman Elhau. This this book is out in June, so you can't really get it right now. I happen to get a preview of it because Dennis is very, very nice. And um, I will say no spoilers on this book, but every single person out there who wants a wild and crazy story that is just going to break your mind while also having a lot of fun should check out this book. It reminds me of some of the crazier shit that Grant Morrison's done. If you like some of the crazier nice. shit that the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, his name I can't think of. Gerard Way. Gerard Way has done some of his crazier shit that he's done uh, with Umbrella Academy. If you like, which again, homages back to Grant Morrison. A lot of the stuff that you would see in like the crazier Doom Patrol stuff, the Invisibles. I, I know that Warren Ellis is kind of a shithead slash is a shithead, but some of his crazier stuff that he did with Gravel. Um, if you like those kinds of stories. Um, this book is for you. Uh, I think that Camp has basically spent the last year cramming the most insane shit into one four-issue miniseries, and that's what we're going to see with Chaos Agent. Bratuki's art is so fucking detailed. Like, think of think of uh, James Stoko, think of Frank Quietly, think of Juan Jose Rip. Those artists don't have anything on this guy, Batuki. I've never seen anything that he's done before, but like every single page was filled with a million and one lines, and. I know that that's not some people's jam, but for me, I just was in awe by the amount of detail in this book. I, I really, really liked it in terms of just looking at it. The color palette is insane. Jason Wordy does a great job of really bending your mind inside the world of this book. Um, just with colors alone, there's some beautiful splashes that he did or that he worked with, obviously with Bratuki to, to make happen. But that just like the color choices for some of the pages were really wild um, and definitely like 
puts you in a state of unease in a really, really good way. So yeah, this feels like a mad dash of the future that would that was created with the intent to be bizarre and extremely out there with a dash of grounded story to keep everything together. Yeah, the TLDR of the story is Philip is an agent of the world, um, W-O-R-L-D-E, some huge time-traveling organization. They're trying to stop the world from ending. But imagine if some of the most insane conspiracy theories or ideas or uh, croc comic book ideas actually came to life and these people have to stop them. So yeah, it's really, really good. Everyone should go pre-order it. I cannot express it enough how much I love this first issue. Um, and I have, an, I have a copy of the second issue. I haven't read it yet. But number one was amazing. So go pre-order that on Diamond or pre-order it on Comixology, wherever you get your comic books. Yeah, the art, I, I just looked it up on uh, Sci-Fi Wire. The art looks really super duper cool. This is the first time I've yeah. heard of this comic. But but man, I, I love this kind of art style. And the colors are are really awesome, at least in the preview, mm-hmm. as far as kind of the the vibrant but still kind of muted tones. But yeah, I, I love the kind of squiggly but still a jagged um, multiple uh, like just like patchwork of lines. Like, um, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, I'm really interested, and it's it's a Scout comic, which uh, Scout is just like yeah. is just killing it right now. Every, I feel like every every week I find another book, and I'm just like, holy shit, that's from Scout Comics. Maybe I have to check that out. Like they're blowing up in in a in a really really good way. I think a lot of really interesting books have come out from them recently, and this is another one that's coming out in June. Let's move on though. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out on. I have the wrong date. I think in my uh, in my document on March 17, 2021. Um, before I. It, I guess let's let's jump back to Brian. What are you excited for this upcoming week, week really quick? Yeah, this week I'm looking forward to Radiant Black number two. Uh, I read issue number one uh, off a recommendation on the show. Uh, this is written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marcella Costa. I really like the first issue. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that like average schlub gets superpowers trope. The fact that he is a failed writer in insurmountable debt really hit home to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of mysteries in this book. You know, like how many of these weird artifacts are there? Uh, who made them? Why are they here? What do all the other ones do? It's there, There's a lot of questions to answer. And I think that if they do actually answer them, this could be a really engaging mystery. Agreed. I, I like number one enough to try number two, even though it wasn't my favorite book in the world. But I'm I'm intrigued enough to keep going. Gabe, what about you? Do you have any any books you're excited for this upcoming week? Well, I hate to be that guy, but uh, I nothing. No, uh, <laughs> worse. Uh, I'm going to plug my own book uh, Ooh, into okay. the wilderness, coming out on Wednesday um, on Kickstarter. Very excited to get the the campaign started. Lots of cool rewards, yeah. and um, and yeah, just I, I've already kind of talked about it uh, at the top of the show, but I would appreciate everybody going and please checking that out. Uh, I'm very proud of this book and, and I am very happy with all the work that Lisa did. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, part of a, Oh, I forgot. I did forget to mention that, you know, we, I, I talked a bunch about formally and stuff like that, but so if you haven't read formally, once the, the campaign hits its goal, every backer at every level will get digital copies of formally one through three. So, um, so if you haven't nice. read For Molly, uh, but you want to check out Into the Wilderness, you will get the chance to read For Molly either uh, at when the Kickstarter funds. Awesome. 
that is that's super exciting well make, again there's gonna be a, there's a link to this in the show notes make sure you go check it out i'm sure I, I can say i've read the i think the whole first issue or the whole issue of this it's it's fantastic but cool yeah so i guess for me uh before we get into things you know it's 2021 we're doing wild stuff we're giving away a 20 dollars gift card you mentioned the show on social media we'll give you a 20 dollars gift card um if you know we'll raffle it off essentially if there's multiple people but uh make sure you mention us on social media share the show it really really helps us um we can't express thanks enough to everyone who's done it so far our picks from the folks on discord that we have this week cinco is excited for the expanse number four danny is excited for nightwing number 78 people still read nightwing i'm just okay <laughs> um <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I know a lot of people read Nightwing. Please don't come at me, Nightwing fans. The book that I'm excited for this week is Ultra Mega Number 1. This is written and drawn by James Heron, who also did a book called Rumble from Image a while ago. Um, This is from Skybound, which is an imprint in Image. um, Colors by Dave Stewart. The description says that it's basically like Kaiju meets Extremity, which if anybody read Daniel Warren Johnson's Extremity, one of the best 12 issue series I read in a very long time, like up there probably with Mr. Miracle, The Vision, like I'm telling you guys, like it's it's an amazing 12 issue series. I liked that a lot. I liked a lot of what I read of um, Rumble. So I'm game to try this. I feel like Kaijus are slowly but surely coming back. I don't know what it is. I love the series Kaiju number eight um, from Shonen Jump slash Viz. If you haven't read that, um, what are you doing with your life? Kaiju number eight is probably one of the coolest like kaiju manga that you can read. So yeah, whatever James Heron has, I'm I'm willing to try this book. Ultra Mega, just the preview art alone looks wild and insane. The cover is going to dominate the the bookshelves, your comicsology homepage. Um, I think just because of how stark it is and how beautiful it looks. So yeah, I'm I'm super game to try this Ultra Mega number one. It looks really, really exciting. Plus kaiju, right? I feel like Brian's ears perked up when I said kaiju. So I mean, um Netflix just dropped their Pacific Rim anime. Oh, right. So I've got Kaiju on the brain right now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's what I'm excited for. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about comic books that got us really hooked on the medium. We're going to go back to everyone's origin story about comic books. And then we're going to you know, talk about what keeps us reading comic books. We've done this a little bit before, but you don't really know everybody's true origin story. So we'll be back in just a second. our show this week we are talking about comics that really got us hooked on the medium Um, i mean this could be the first comic you ever read maybe it was a comic that you read two years ago and you've been just putzing around on this comic book thing for a decade and now it finally clicked for you so i'm curious to know you know brian you know i've known you for quite a long time but gabe i've only known you for a short time so i guess to get things started what's one of the books that really got you into comic books where you said like yes i get it i want to read more of these things well i have uh i've told a lot of people i I'm a late bloomer when it comes to comics. I had a couple of comics growing up, uh, Batman comics around the time that I was watching the the animated series, the and the Justice League and the um, Superman animated series. But I didn't really get into reading as heavily as I did until college, and that was when I first read mm-hmm. Watchmen. Okay, which I'm sure is a, is an entry point for a lot of people as well. So that was the one that kind of opened my eyes to the fact that okay, it's not just about superheroes; it can have a lot of very thoughtful themes and very um uh very kind of dark and tragic and and what am i what word am i looking for because i wouldn't say that like that watchman is is like very uh very innovative as far as the art but it had a specific style so stylized was the word i was looking for sorry sure 
yeah, because yeah. it had the the nine panel thing and the and the splash pages and the and going back and forth between the kind of graphic novel and kind of a traditional novel with some of the other documents that were in there as well. Like so so that was a, that was a big eye opener for me. And then after that, uh, it wasn't until I read Batman: The Long Halloween that I was like, oh, like this is this is what I was looking for. Like these are these are the kind of stories I was really looking for that that I had really loved when I was a kid watching the animated show and mm-hmm. um but were more grown up, were more um more kind of in depth and and yeah, I just I just love everything about that book, The Long Halloween. It's probably the the comic that I've read the most times. I have a I have a um a signed copy of it. Oh wow! Jeff Loeb, Jeff Loeb signed it, and um, so I, I got it through a friend of a friend because uh, a coworker of mine, her best friend, was his personal assistant for many years. So it went through the grapevine and back, came back to me with his signature on it, and I got it like sometime in the spring. So his um, his signature said like, "Hey Gabe, happy holidays, uh, Jeff Loeb," and I was like, "Happy holidays? I don't get it." And then like, and then I had to make <laughs> that connection in my head because I hadn't read it in a while. I was like, "Oh, because hmm. of." the calendar and it's happening on the holidays and all the murders of course so i felt stupid in that moment but it's it is a great it is a great little note that he put on there um and that's really cool yeah uh and then the other book uh that that got me was uh, was hush which is the the kind of spiritual follow-up to that book it was written by by jeff lowe but uh but art was done by by jim lee and that was the one where it like that that I mean, Jim Lee, like his art is just is just astounding. It, and it has its a style. So not that it like that's the only way that you can do astounding art because there's so many different art styles out there. But mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. but reading that um, as a as a novice comic book reader, we were just like, wow, this it, 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 I was just blown away by that art. And, and I love Jeff Loeb's writing style and just everything about those two books are are really um, are, are really like will always have kind of a special place in my heart as my as my gateway drugs for for comics. Oh, for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the, you basically listed like three home run comic books. I mean, I totally understand how <laughs> books like that could definitely like say like, oh, I want to read a million more of these things because of how fantastic those are. So I, I totally get that. I mean, we, we, we talk a lot of shit about Watchmen just because of how overhyped it can be yeah. sometimes. But like at the same time, like you can't get away from the fact of what Watchmen was for its time and how impactful it is in general to comic books. So like totally understand it yeah and i think that it's totally legitimate for for you know i i wouldn't necessarily say like oh watchman is the most important comic book of all time it's like "Eh," like that's i mean it is important in that like if you if you read comics you should probably have at least attempted to read it just like because it is part of like the zeitgeist and and like it's going to be referenced in other comics and and people that you encounter are going to have read it so they will uh you know they will know things about it and like it's part of the you know our our shared literacy um kind of but as far as like oh like uh like oh you haven't read any comics you have to read watchmen you have to read this first (laughs) put down everything else before you read watchmen it's like no there's 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 a lot of great great stuff out there right 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 i i think that our our issues with watchmen is never really with watchmen so much as, as it is with those who proselytize watchmen true yeah true it's not a it's not a perfect book it's a great book but it's not like a perfect book. Like, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. If, if if you don't like Watchmen, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with it. Exactly. You. And that's right. why I said, like, you should have at least attempted it. Like, you don't have to finish it or even liked it. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. 
but no I, I i totally understand because like i think when i i read watchmen you know as you do eventually someone puts it in front of you and that big yellow cover hits your face and you go huh maybe i should look at this thing uh and i remember being floored by it. i remember being super overwhelmed by it but i still really loved it yeah um so i to- like i said i totally get it those are that's those are some some like i said home run home run <laughs> picks for books that got you hooked brian what about you what are what are some of the books that got you like really hooked on comics i would be remiss if i didn't mention the fact that like my whole intro to comics just came from living with mike in college <laughs> uh, we literally had like one of those those revolving wire racks mm-hmm. in the kitchen of the trailer that we rented in college <laughs> that mike kept trades on <laughs> so it was yeah. It was an adapt or die situation. <laughs> uh, well, and, yeah, our, our actual whole entire place was it was like overflowing with comic books because I had so many and we just needed places to put them. And so anytime it's just like, you know, they're out there. So go ahead and pick one up if you want. Wow. Yeah. How did you um, guys like how are your like lower backs doing now that like, like well, I, I, I can I can barely lift the comics that I currently have to move them like. Um, like I can't, I, I, I'm just astounded by people that have huge collections. Cause it's like, like, wow, you, you really, you're really into lifting heavy things. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I, I made the switch from long boxes to short boxes many years ago. So it's a lot of short trips, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I, I see a chiropractor every two weeks. So, <laughs> so not great, Gabe. Like, the answer. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Uh, but one of the books that I, I pulled out of my giant stack of long boxes was uh, Peter David's X Factor. Mm. Uh, and that was like the first time that I, I read like a, a big two book. Because before that, you know, I had, well, I guess I had read Watchmen by that point. Mm-hmm. But it was mostly just like, I think that I'd been reading the IDW D&D comics for a little while at that point. Mm-hmm. Because huge D&D nerd, I had to. But X Factor was the first like, ongoing big two ish book that I got into. Uh, and I was just sort of uh, enamored with Jamie Madrix and the, the, all the ulti, all the multiples, man, multiple men uh, <laughs> that were running around also introduced uh, Darwin, who is still my, uh, my favorite like mutant. I think mm-hmm. the guy who's, whose entire power is not dying, even though, the movie still found a way, I guess. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. They, they they took the the one black man character whose whole power is not being able to die and still found a way to kill him off. Right, right. Not not to get on my my soapbox about that too much, but it was some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cinco uh, in Discord is pointing out that Darwin might be from Deadly Genesis. That could be. X Factor is just like where I first encountered Darwin. Right. So I guess I, I did not state that clearly. Yeah. I mean, that that's was one of my... It still is uh, like probably one of my favorite long X-Men runs. I mean, that book ran for like 10 years or something. I mean, I think the, the opening bit of that book where Jamie is just like... You know, at one point, I had sent a bunch of my dupes to just go live their own lives. And I knew that when they came back, they'd be able... I'd just be able to absorb their information. And then it becomes a matter of, I don't know where a lot of these dupes went. And some of them just keep coming back and it's bad. <laughs> I like it's such a goofy concept of man what a book to get you hooked on on things 
I think Peter David has a really interesting writing style, despite, you know, some of the problems that people have with him um, and just some of the things he's done outside of comics and said outside of comics that are not so great. But I mean, I think the X is X factor run is, is stupendous. Like it's still one of those of all of the, the single issue comics that I've kept over my multiple moves over the years. I think that's one of the series that I've kept every single issue of. And it's a like a 10 year long run. So it's a lot of it's a lot of issues. Yeah. What about you, Mike? What uh, you're you're the the seed that grew this whole, whole podcast uh how'd you get started <laughs> well i mean i i sure certain that i've told the story about how i got into comics in the first place it was on a whim like i i was younger and a friend of mine was like insistent like i think we were like 16 he was insistent on buying me a comic book or buying me a birthday present and i was like dude we are 16 neither of us have any money don't <laughs> buy me anything and we were walking through barnes and nobody's like i want to get you something i was like okay well uh here get me give me this and so i grabbed the random volume of uncanny x-men off of the wall off of the barnes and noble shelf i had the phoenix on the cover of it and i was like sure let's let's do this it was volume two of uncanny x-men masterworks which was like a mistake so he bought this for me and i i took it home and i was like oh it's in the middle of a story oh this is volume two and i went back and i bought volume one and it kind of got me hooked it made me curious about the x-men um because it doesn't start with like x-men number one it starts with giant size x-men number one where you meet nightcrawler and colossus and uh cyclops i think is in the group there's a couple in and uh, banshee and uh yeah i was like oh i actually know all these characters from the arcade game so I was I was interested in that, but I really don't think I got hooked on comics where I like wanted to do it and read it all the time until I read um, Ultimate Spider-Man. I picked up Barnes and Noble because Barnes and Noble is where I lived in the Midwest um, whenever I was at the mall because you, that's all you can do is go to the mall. <laughs> and uh, I picked up this six in one collection of Ultimate Spider-Man. It had volumes one through six of Ultimate Spider-Man. I was like, this looks cool. It looks like it's the beginning of a story um, because I was constantly hunting for like the actual beginning of some of these superhero comics. And since the Ultimate Universe was like, a brand new thing i was like all right let's try this this seems like it's brand new it looks it says the origin of spider-man like let's do it so this is brian michael bendis brian michael bendis and mark bagley's ultimate spider-man so like of course i was hooked like how do you not get hooked on ultimate spider-man by brian michael bendis and mark bagley i'm sure there's somebody listening going well that run wasn't very good to which i say shut up um, it was very good. <laughs> I, I mean, I love this. And then I found out, I read, you know, I ended up looking up like, what is this Ultimates thing? Turns out like in the back of these books, because I didn't look think to look on the internet for stuff. Turns out like in the back of this book, they're like, oh, if you like this, you can read the Ultimates number one, volume one, which is by Mark Millar and someone who I can't remember. And then there's Ultimate X-Men and Ultimate Fantastic Four. And I was like, I got to get all these things. So with my part-time job, all I did was spend all my money on like donuts and candy and then these comic books. <laughs> and so like I got really into the Ultimates, got really into Ultimate X-Men. Um, I was just buying collections. I didn't understand when collections would come out. So I was just checking Barnes and Noble's website like every other week to see when they would or I wouldn't even check their website. I would go to the store like once a week to try to see when the next volume would come out. So, yeah, I got really hooked into the Ultimate Universe. And I mean, at the time, I was also checking out like other stuff like i heard about this sin city thing it's like a short little thing and then i read like the first volume of it and then i was like oh they have all connected covers and so if you buy all seven you you can put them on your shelf and you can see nancy dancing on the on a table in a cowboy bikini because i didn't understand what that was (laughs) i just thought that like i thought it was cool um that the covers connected (laughs) yeah so it was like between the ultimate stuff and the frank miller sin city i got really really into like 
that side of comics like frank miller stuff i thought was amazing so of course i bought his batman and all that stuff but i genuinely owned every single ultimates comic book volume from across the board up through the beginning of when they all started to ultimatum when it got to ultimatum i hated it so much that i stopped buying the collections yeah i i the ultimate stuff really really got me hooked on comics and then i realized that it was all offshoots of the 616 universe then i started touching on other stuff but like ultimates really really got me hyped to the point where i was carrying around the six volume um collection in my backpack going to school and reading it during class like i would sit in the back of class and i would read comic books and it was all these ultimate comic books um because i thought it was so cool but yeah i I like that idea of like getting it on the ground floor and i really wanted to start at the beginning of a story and i mean i still have that mentality to this day but i've learned to roll with the punches more with like big two books and stuff and just kind of say well i don't know what that is that's fine let's just move on so yeah, long-winded, but like the ultimate comic books really got me into things. I don't know if you guys have ever read like Ultimate Spider-Man or the Ultimates or Ultimate X-Men, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's pretty good stuff, at least in the beginning. I should read it. I, um, I haven't read a lot of Spider-Man and um, I haven't read a lot of the Ultimate stuff, but I have read Bendis' run on Daredevil and I love it. Um, and oh, I know that that's yeah. controversial as well because people have feelings about Bendis, but I like Bendis. So, um, so yeah, that is something that I would, I would want to jump into. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it was a fresh take. I mean, everyone's take on Spider-Man is fresh, but like, I feel like, you know, starting Spider-Man as like a 16 year old kid and his chain, the way he changed up the goblin and a lot of the supervillains, like you go into that book, I think with preconceived notions of what the universe is, because you know who Spider-Man is, you know, who Mysterio is and the great green goblin and Dr. Octopus and all this stuff. And then, Bendis and Bagley, you know, working together, I think, did a good job of twisting those their origins and changing the characters enough to where you go, oh, this is really interesting. Um, and then they wrote this the greatest relationship ever. Um, I think Bendis did a really good job of making him Peter Parker and Kitty Pride having this will they won't they thing um, in the story it was probably one of the best relationships I read in comics. I don't think I was into romance in comics <laughs> until I read that relationship. Like when they had this will they won't they thing between the two of them it was great. That that sounds so much like a fan fiction. Yes. Like, <laughs> <You know? laughs> ah, Spider-Man and Kitty Pride. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in continuity, uh, let me push up my glasses. Technically, in the story, they were the same <laughs> age. So it wasn't weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's it that's funny um that you say it sounds like a fan fiction it really sounds like a bendis to me where it's like that that kind of relationship <laughs> like tense relationships bouncing off of each other because they really like have some sort of fundamental thing that unites them or divides them like that's very bendis to me so that was my Definitely. reaction Definitely. I mean, and that's the story, right? Like Kitty Pride is torn because she really likes Peter, but she also has this alliance to the X-Men and the X-Men in, in the Ultimate Universe are very much like, don't talk to other mutants, don't hang out with other mutants or non-mutants, I should say, because like they understand like there's a persecution there and Xavier's a little bit more militant than in the 616 universe, or at least he's more, I guess, like obvious about his militancy <laughs> than in the 616 universe. But uh, yeah, so Kitty, Kitty very much having this like, I can't really do this, Peter. And Peter being like, but I like you a lot. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very, it's a very fun read. I mean, I have fond memories of this. I think I read, you know, I read this when it was, you know, years ago and it was, it was still fresh, but um, I wonder if going back and rereading all of ultimate Spider-Man would be a good thing or a very bad thing for my memories. Cause I have very fond memories of like the whole ultimate universe, you know, good and bad. I'll never forgive Robert Kirkman for basically destroying the ultimate X-Men, but uh 
you know, it's neither here nor there. What I think is interesting, yeah. I don't know if we're, we're running out of time, but like in, no, no. in all of our all of our origins and then Cinco on Discord said, um, I, I didn't mention it, but like it involves Barnes and Noble and not LLCS, a local comic shop. So because oh, yeah. when I first started reading, because I didn't really know where to get comics, I, I would just go to Barnes and Noble and, and pick up stuff off the shelf and uh, or borrow stuff from a friend of mine who who was essentially doing the same. Uh, and and because of for a short time, I was going to a local comic shop uh, when I was living in, in Orange County and I, I live in L.A. now, but I haven't really picked that up again. And I know that like it's a com- a, a very different experience. And I, I, I I'm not sure if I have a question here. I just thought it was kind of interesting that that that's how we came into it. And have you guys started going to to local comic shops? Like, have you participated in things that are happening at local comic shops? Like um, what's yeah. been your experience since? since starting in Barnes and Noble. I, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Barry, maybe I'll let you, I'll let you take this first. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely grew up deep in the suburbs. So the nearest comic shop to me was, I think like seven or eight miles, which was a lot to bike. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially because that was, uh, the shop owner was uh, a real character. Uh, if you're familiar with Chick Tracts at oh, all. brother. Uh, big, big proponent of the Jack Chick. Oh, I don't uh, know what that is, drags. but I, oh, <laughs> is we'll it tell a you TNA thing? No, it's, it's no, a super it's religious a, uh, thing. Yeah, ah. it's a D&D is devil worship and you're all going ah, to hell kind okay. of thing. Yeah, uh, I, I, you say that and I know exactly what comic book shop you're talking about because I think it was the f- second comic shop I'd ever gone to before I really started buying comics. But c- go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, but what I what I was pretty close to was the Rivertown Crossings Mall, <laughs> or I guess not so much that I was close to it, but my mom would go there a lot, and if I wanted to get anything, I had to go with her, and then I would hang out in the Barnes and Noble in the mall while she did whatever moms do. So yeah, I spent a lot of time, you know, like sitting on the floor in the comics and manga section because, you know, that's that's just what you did back back in the early 2000s yeah i mean i mean for me yeah like you know i got my start basically reading comics by going to barnes and noble because i didn't know where else to get them um it wasn't until college that i was like really really getting into comics and like it was to the point where i was like well i'm tired of waiting for trades to come out when do these things actually come out right and i this is me just doing blind google searches of just like it was my freshman year. I remember looking just like, when do comic books come out? And then I found a schedule. It's like, oh, well, movies come out on Fridays and albums come out on Tuesdays and comic books come out on Wednesdays. And I was like, who who chose this? I don't know <laughs> how this was designed. I just remember being very confused, but also excited because now I knew when they came out. And then you do a Google search, you know, like comic book shop near me. And I found a couple, but they were like way into the city because the college that I went to was not close to a city. So it was like, you know, 35, 45 minutes um, to get there. But like, I didn't have a car. So I was like, well, how do you take a bus? The bus system in the city was not very great for where we grew up or where I was going to college and stuff like that. And so, yeah, but long story short, I did end up, I did end up going and I met this 
old curmudgeon of a man <laughs> uh, who run who ran the shop. Uh, and he's, I mean, he was an old curmudgeon of a man, but you know, I still I have very fond memories of him. And he just was okay buying comics. Okay, cool. And he just rung me up, didn't ask me anything, didn't talk to me. I had to find all my own stuff. I didn't know what to do. You know, and I'm too nervous to actually ask questions because I'm in a comic book shop and I didn't want anybody to think that I didn't know what I was doing, you know. But yeah, I mean, after that, like that ended up being my regular comic book shop all things considered um and i tried a couple of other places like the one that brian mentioned i'd been to that place didn't have a good time i remember getting real side-eyed by this guy for wanting this x-men book it was uncanny x-men by chuck austin for anyone who's listening and it, it has nightcrawler on the cover and they were selling it but he was just like you know this is about the devil right and i was like <laughs> thank you <laughs> and he gave, he insisted that me and my friends all take these chick tracks as well when we left and i think mine was about the one that i got was about masturbation and how like you'll die if you touch yourself or something i don't know um but yeah, so, I've wild so many thoughts about that. <laughs> it, seriously, do a do a Google search for uh, uh, Jack Trick, Jack Chick, I think it's C H I C K, and you'll find Chick Tracks. They are a whole yeah. thing, um, and it is not great. But uh, they are still comic books, technically. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, after that, like you know, I graduated. Graduated. I started going to this comic shop like every Wednesday, every other Wednesday, um, to the point where I had a big, decent sized pull from this place, and I would you know end up talking to the comic shop owners and stuff. And then um, over time, I moved from that comic shop to another comic book shop that opened up, um, that was a little bit more friendly, a little bit had a lot more selection. And then, yeah, up until probably about a year and a half ago, like literally like two months before the pandemic hit, I just was like, I can't keep buying comic books because I have nowhere to store them, um, at least single issues. And so I stopped and I went completely digital and I was still like going to or pre-ordering books like collections from comic shops. Like there's one that's pretty close to me that's walking distance in Brooklyn. Yeah, like I, I haven't participated in like the active comic book shop experience in a long time because like i used to get single issues from midtown comics that's not really a personal experience when you go there you're not going to end up being friends with the people at the shop right the people that go to the shop aren't actually like your friends they're just like strangely businessmen and like tourists that are buying comic books that week so yeah i it's it's weird i i hope that in the future you know that i can if i have a little bit more room i can go to a comic book shop more regularly to pick up like a book a week or something just to like get back into that experience because i feel like I really miss that. I miss that that idea of making every Wednesday a special thing that you go out and you do as like like a ritual in a lot of ways of like I'm going to get my comics and then I'm going to come home and either I'm going to read them right then or I'm going to let them pile up for three or four weeks and then read them all some Saturday. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. That's my long winded answer there, I guess. I just because I, I understand that idea of like graduating or moving up from just going to Barnes and Noble to a local shop. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 strange, right? Because we we want to support the comic book industry, but at the same time we don't necessarily have all the room for this type of stuff. So like it's it's I don't know. I have a back and forth about it all the time. Yeah, that that's my thing as well. And also like it does it does add up. It's 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 it it does get expensive whereas I can I can read it on Hoopla for free. Yeah. So so going week after week even though you want to support, you know, the local comic book shops, it does it does become a bit of a challenge and i I, i'm not much of a collector as well like i don't uh i'm not kind of in the market for things like that even for toys or um art or things like that so um it's hard for me to justify going despite the fact that i do really want to like i'd love to be a part of a uh of a local comic shop community like i'd love to 
you know, have that kind of cheers experience where it's like you go in and you know everybody that's coming in on Wednesdays and like you have a conversation about this or that and, you know, you um, have a relationship with the owner and all the people behind the counter. Like I, I would really like that. I, I would really like to kind of have that interaction uh, with people. But it it's for me, it's cost prohibitive and um, right, and, right. and also the pandemic and then. And and it's hard to to find a good one that aren't going to sell you ones about how uh, Satan and the Pope and Dungeons and Dragons are evil and and things like that. <laughs> I, I Google searched uh, chick tracks and the and I scrolling through the Wikipedia. Uh, I love the first the the first line for the entry and controversy section is the Southern Poverty Law Center has designated chick publications as an active hate group. The group was listed due to its strong anti-Catholic, anti-Muslim, and anti-homosexual rhetoric. It's like, Yikes. all right, cool. Sounds like some fun yeah. comics, guys. Right. What a trifecta. <laughs> See, nowadays, you can only get comics like that on Indiegogo. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, okay. Well, I guess... <laughs> Any any last thought? I don't know if there's any other books you guys wanted to bring up. I had like a couple other books that I just just really quick that I wanted to mention, like Invincible and Walking Dead were other books that really got me excited about non big two books. I think it really started to broaden my horizons about things. So I, you know, I can't, you know, as much as I was frustrated with Kurt, Robert Kirkman for destroying the Ultimate X Men, I still went and read his two biggest books, um, <laughs> and I read them to death. Like I read every single issue that I could get my hands on, uh, with the exception of Walking Dead. I did fall off around like issue like one fifteen or something, but um, nonetheless, I read them for a very long time. Um, and the last one would be Fonte Bukowski, which is I, I know not everybody's favorite. Totally understand it. Um, it's a book from Fanagraphics uh, that we had it on the book club uh, reading challenge last year. This was one of those first like out there books that I read. I snagged it one day when Paul and I were Paul and I were hanging out because he came to visit in New York um, just to be in New York, not to come see me. We're friends, but you know, and it was it was very odd and off putting, and it really opened my eyes to like out there kind of strange original graphic novels that like you just kind of got to take a chance on things and maybe it'll turn out good and i ended up really liking that one so um those books really opened my eyes to uh, the broader spectrum of comic books in a lot of ways um yeah that's i don't know that's pretty much it for me i don't brian was there anything else that you had on your list uh just that uh of all things the unbeatable squirrel girl was uh, the comic that made me start a pull list at my local comic shop nice uh i was i was just so enamored by that that first issue that i was like i i can't just wait for this i have to i have to read it as it's coming out so i went down to the the lcs and paced around working up the nerve to actually talk to the the people behind the counter and then (laughs) yeah well, yeah, I guess I, I think that's I think that covers everything, at least everything I have in my notes. Well, yeah, I guess, uh, Gabe, you know, thank you so much for for being on the show with us this week. This is so much fun. Yeah, this is great. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. And uh, where can people find the Kickstarter? I guess if it, in, in all that stuff, let's make sure they get it reminded one more time. Yeah, the Kickstarter is uh, if you just go to Kickstarter and search into the wilderness, um, it will come up. Um, we are launching on March 17 and we are um, ending on March 31st. And if you uh, you can find me at Gabe Chang Comics, G-A-B-E-C-H-E is an echo N-G comics. And then uh, that's on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can also go to GabeChangComics.com um, on Facebook. It is uh, for Molly Comic um, is where I post all my stuff. And uh, and yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of where it is. I'm I'm like I said, I'm just this is my fifth kickstarter my second short story kind of overlapping my my uh, strategies on kickstarter where i'm just about to close my limited series but just starting up with my 
short story anthology. Mm-hmm. Very proud of this 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 book. All the pages are completely done. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really excited about this book, and I'm I'm really proud of it. So uh, that's coming out. Uh, Wednesday, March 17th. And you are you also have a podcast that you record as well. Yes, I keep forgetting that when I go on podcast. <laughs> I mean, listen, you're a man of many talents, and you know a podcast is just one more thing. I get it. Totally understandable. Yeah, and what's funny is that my brother is listening to all the podcasts that, I, uh, that I'm that i doing as, as part of uh, uh, promoting the Kickstarter. And like every time, I've now forgotten to promote the podcast that he and I host together. So <laughs> I'm sure he's very happy with me. Um, but yeah, my podcast is called Another Lousy Millennium. It is a um, bi-weekly fan podcast for Futurama, the animated show. So we go episode by episode talking about each um, episode of Futurama. And we've actually are coming up to the end of the series. And we are going to be oh doing, my. yeah, over 140 episodes uh, of Another Lousy Millennium, um, talking, analyzing, summarizing, quoting uh, the episodes. and um, But we have a lot of cool stuff in store for the uh our what we're calling our victory lap where we're going to do a couple more episodes where we're talking about like our favorite villains our favorite cameos Mm -hmm. um our favorite quotes and and finally our we'll we'll cap everything off with our favorite episodes of the whole series so that's um another lousy millennium alm pod on twitter and facebook and almpod.com. that's awesome did you guys cover the movies for that for your series as well we did we we went like that was when um what what we call the fir- the pre cancellation seasons, which is seasons one through five, we <laughs> we were kind of we were still kind of getting our our, our feet into this. We we're still kind of figuring it out as far as like what our podcast format was going to be. It was it was kind of more solidifying. But then when mm-hmm. we got to the movies, like that was when our our current format really took shape. And and so like we went deep into those movies. And, okay, and okay. that was like one of the first times too that like. Like it, it was good that me and my brother were recording in separate cities because like we got into some like re- really, really intense arguments about some things in Futurama <laughs> to the point where if we were in the same room, we might have throttled each other. But wow. um, <laughs> but it was well, yeah, it, it was fun. We did uh, we did all four movies and and we've now done all the episodes. Very nice. That Well, that's exciting. I mean, every, make sure to check it out. I guessed it on an episode we talked about. <laughs> We talked about the water people on a desert planet. Yeah, we talked about really my three sons, the episode from season sons. one. Yeah, yeah, um, it was it was a it was a total blast. I like I said, I think I uh, or I should say, I said on the show I hadn't watched Futurama in a while, so it was really nice to actually go back and and did remember how fantastic that show is. So everyone should go check out the podcast. It's it's a lot of blast. It's a blast, and make sure to check out the Kickstarter too. We'll have links for everything in the show notes, so make sure you do that. I want to say you can follow me and Brian on Twitter. You can follow Brian at Brian Head. You can follow me at Mike Raffin, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where I try to post things pretty regularly on Twitter and Instagram. But you know, a man's only got so much time. This episode first aired on Patreon, and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like the IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and many more. You can join us there at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. If you haven't already, please go ahead and rate and review our show. I think we've earned five stars. You can do that on, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us spread the word about IRCB. Make sure to join the IRCB Discord community at uh, ircbpodcast.com slash Discord, where you can listen to episodes live, hang out with us, chat about comic books, and we do those monthly hangouts, which are a total 
bunch of fun. We're doing a manga read-along series. We have a monthly book club. We've got a lot of stuff going on over there. It would also help a lot if you tell your friends or your local comic book shop about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Make sure to go check out their latest uh, album that dropped EP002. It's fantastic from beginning to end. Uh, I want to say thanks to Xander for being a wonderful editor and just a fun person to talk to overall. He edits the show and he's, he's just incredible. He makes us sound great. As I said before, thank you, Gabe, so much for being on the show. I want to thank Brian as well for being here. Thank you to everyone on the Discord who is listening live, Cinco and Danny. We really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone out there who listens and shares and talks about stuff with us on the internet about the sh- with the show about comic books in general we we'll really really appreciate it uh, so until next time remember comics are good and so are you